Hello and welcome everybody to the inaugural episode of The Goal Post. I'm your host, Damian Lisi, joined by my co-host, Patrick Hannon, um, where we're going to be coming at you live with um, everything you need to know around the NFL and the NHL from a week-to-week basis to pretty much keep you relevant at the water cooler. Um, and nothing else uh, crazier than that. Um, we're both university students who are fresh off of undergrad, uh, both huge sports fans, uh, both come from a pretty heavy hockey football background, but also, you know, a little bit of sprinkling in of uh, some lacrosse and basketball. Um, But we're pretty much coming here to share our thoughts, our takes, and uh, everything relevant. Yeah, thanks, Damien. That was a great intro. Um, I appreciate everyone for listening in. We don't really know where this is going to go, how far this is going to go, but this is something we've wanted to do for a while now. And I'm excited. I'm excited for this. I love talking football. I usually don't have a lot of takes, a lot of things going on in my mind, don't really know where to put them. So I figured, hey, why not yell into a microphone with my buddy for an hour every week? Makes sense to me. Two more guys starting a podcast, except this one, we're going to keep you, we're not going to keep you here three hours. We're going to get you in and out uh, every week with what you need to know and nothing too much uh, over the top extra. Um, without further ado, um, we're not going to keep you too much longer and we're going to dive headfirst into the NFL preview. We're lo- going into a loaded uh, week 11 in terms of divisional matchups, in terms of important games, in terms of games that people might be writing off already. Um, and we start in that sense at the Browns at Bills at 1 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, looking to be a pretty crazy matchup already. Yes, all I've seen from this game is snow, snow, snow. It's apparently going to be in the feet, not centimeters, not inches, in the feet range, which is absurd honestly um i've heard rumors they're trying they might have to relocate the game might have to delay it i don't know how true that is whether it's actually going to happen or not i'm sure the bills mafia faithful will be more than happy and willing to volunteer to shovel the stands shovel the (laughs) field um and this is a reporter's dream too i saw shafter this morning in my notes i had 31 inches of snow expected but by this morning, it had already changed to 70, um, which is taller than Nick Chubb and Devin Singletary. Um. <laughs> wow, that is it's going to be a sight to behold. Um, biggest thing for me for snow games like this, I just I live for the snow angel celebrations in the end zone. It's it's to die for because it doesn't hit the same when they when there's like a pick six or a fumble recovery and the big man kind of just falls down. And does the uh, snow angel celebration on the grass doesn't doesn't do it for me. But when you when you get that touchdown, I think it's the automatic first thing that comes to your mind. I'm hitting a snow angel, maybe doing an elf scene, throwing some snowballs into the stands. Absolutely. I can't wait to see it. Absolutely. And and speaking of relocating, they have the possibility back in 2014, the Jets Bills in Buffalo was relocated to Detroit. Detroit's on the road at the Giants this weekend. So it definitely remains open as a possibility. I think they said that the league has until tomorrow, which would be Friday. We're recording this on the Thursday um, to make a final decision. I've heard that most of the concern kind of lies around the actual like game ops, making sure that fans can get in and out safe. Yeah rather than even if they can really play the game, because you can blow snow off the field, like as long as it's not heavily snowing during the game. Um, but speaking of touchdowns, the total right now is still at 41. I think I placed my earliest bet of my career on Tuesday at under 36 and a half on this game, even that, though it makes me feel like a loser. That total is shocking to me. It is absolutely shocking. I don't know how it's not at 30, maybe in the 20s, I have it the last time there was a Bills game like this with just absurd amount of snow. It was against the Colts, and the total, it was 7-7 going into overtime, and the Bills ended up winning 13-7. And they're setting this total at 41. This late into the week as well, which is pretty crazy. And that, that 2017 game only had 16 inches of snow. So we're talking like double, triple, quadruple that amount. Right, so how how do they expect this? The only way this total goes over i think is if they move the game or relocate it delay it to a different time which i think vegas is really banking on right now i think that's the only way they kind of hit their number make their money but as it stands for right this moment i don't see how you don't take the under 
Yeah, it's impossible to resist. Bills are eight and a half point favorites. I don't even know if they'll get to reach that amount. I think this is a this is a field goal dream. I, I think it this game screams under and Browns plus eight and a half because I just don't think it's going to be that big of a differential between the two teams in these conditions. I think this is honestly, I think it suits the Browns a lot more with the running weather and you got Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb running down and even Jacoby Brissett with his quarterback sneaks. And then Buffalo, while they don't have a bad run game, it's a little bit sketchy. I mean, Singletary's yeah, hit or miss. Diced by Cook last week. Yeah, you like to see you, this is where you like to see Naheem Hines come into the game. You you made the big trade for him, so this is where you you know games like this with the snow late in the season. You don't want Definitely. Josh Allen running around in snow like this. And that's another but, reason why I think it's an under game because Allen's still questionable with that elbow injury. Who knows if we get another Case Keenum game, um, which would be pretty sweet for the under as well. Uh, in terms of even football storylines, um, it's tough to kind of root through those when there's so much weather talk surrounding the game. But the Bills need to win badly. They're coming off of two losses in a row, Jets and Vikings. And the Browns are essentially waiting for Deshaun Watson to come back. He started practicing, and so they're in kind of that limbo period. But this is a, this could be a game that they win and that would be huge for them. I think if the Browns find a way to win this game with Deshaun coming back, their season is alive. As much as it pains me to say that as a Steelers fan, I very much can see a way for the Browns to make the playoffs. If they get to, they'll be four and six with a win. I believe they have one more game before Deshaun comes back or is it a bye week? Uh, I think that he comes back against the Texans, which looks to be after, let's see here. Yeah, they play at Bills um, and then versus Buccaneers and then at Texans, which is when he comes back. So I think those are two very winnable games for the Browns. The Bucks have shown that they're very vulnerable. I mean, very vulnerable. I'm not confident in what I've seen out of that Tom Brady-led team. So obviously this is their biggest test of the season. And I think if you know they ride Hunt, they ride Chubb, there's a recipe for the Browns to win this game. It won't be pretty. It won't, will not be pretty. Maybe that's just disgusting. But I think they can win this game. And if they do, and then they find a way to beat the Bucs, their season is more than alive with Deshaun Watson coming back. And yeah, I think it's, it's a storyline. I think you'd be to... looking at a tie in, a, in that division two for second. If, uh, if Baltimore keeps winning, then they're right back in the mix because the, the Bengals have been back and forth all year. Yeah, and we know the Steelers will not be much of a threat for that division. But... Uh, it all basically, that division runs through Baltimore for the time being. If they keep winning, I think they'll win it with ease. But if they start coming back to the pack, I think it's there's a path. There is a path for the Browns to find a way to the playoffs. There's a path. And, spe- and another team where a path is, this leads us perfectly into our next game, is Jets at Patriots, also at 1 p.m. Patriots are still sitting in a playoff to- uh, spot right now which is pretty crazy given everything that's happened in their season so are the Jets obviously they're one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now both coming off a bye week yeah and uh, this is the second time they've played in I believe three weeks so these teams are quite familiar with each other it's a divisional game once again um, AFC Beast one AFC Beast? plus 140 underdogs for the Jets bit of a rat line here this is the first of a couple rat lines today Jets have won five of their last six. They're rested. I mean, obviously that kind of becomes a wash when New England's rested, but you figure that would go to the stronger team. I mean, Damian Harris is questionable, hasn't played since October 30th against the Colts. Uh, I mean, it's hard not to want to bet on the Jets here. I see where your head's at. I really do. I I would like to disagree because – Watching that first game where these two teams played, it was twenty-two-seven for New England in in New in New that in New York, sorry, and it was just not a pretty game, especially from Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson probably had his one of his worst games as a pro against that Bill Belichick defense. Three interceptions, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and New England just killed them with field goals, and it was a terrible game. One of those you just do not want. One of those that doesn't show up on red zone at any point in the in the day. And 
I think this is a game Bill Belichick lives for. I think you can game plan around Zach Wilson. I think you're going to force him into making bad decisions, which he has continued to show he will not fix. Um, I'll give you a Bill Belichick stat. This right one's on. just prime for it. Bill Belichick, 15-7 and seven after a bye week. Pretty redonkulous. It's like plus 240% clip. So I think that's where kind of the odds makers' heads are at here. A Hopefully a bad game from Zach Wilson, a good game plan from Bill, uh, Bill Belichick. And this has some pretty huge uh, divisional implications, I'd say. Big time. I think both both these teams being above 500 is a little fraudulent. If we're being, if I'm being completely honest, that's my opinion on that. Um, it's it screams under. Also, this game with that total being set at 38, I'm not too sure what the weather in Foxborough is going to be like, but I can't imagine it being warm at all. And I just, I just see the Pats at home with Bill Belichick going against the second year quarterback who has struggled. And speaking of which. This is a little 2020 draft class action. Mac Jones versus Zach Wilson. Both are kind of unproven, both trying to show that they are the guy. I agree. Not sold yeah. on either. I don't know about you, but. Yeah, the the thing is the Patriots are one and one in the division right now. The Jets are two and one. Uh, becoming three and one in the division would be huge. Their only loss right now is against the Pats in the division. But the Pats do have that game up on them. So if they go 2-0 and against the Jets, that's going to cause a whole lot of hell going down the stretch in terms of a packed, packed AFC East, especially if Miami keeps winning like they do. If the Bills get back to winning in the division, it, it's just going to become an absolute clusterfuck, I think. I believe the, the argument is definitely there for the AFC East being the best division in football, especially right now. I mean, the NFC East is definitely in the conversation, but... Uh... The beasts are showing their they're showing their will on the rest of the NFL. And before the season, if you asked me if I thought the Jets would be six and three right now, I would say you're insane. You're just an insane person. And it's, it's I'm not gonna say that they played Skylar Thompson. I, a more angry Dolphins fan would say that they played Skylar Thompson. Credit to you. Credit to you. <laughs> and that was an ugly game, man. They did not really even deserve to win that game, but. I think hey, that you the Jets are, are, yeah, the Jets are still hot, and it's still going to be a game to watch in the sense that you, you want to see who wins this game. It's going to end up having a lot of implications. It's one of those where I think it's not going to be a fun game to watch, but the fun part of the game is going to is going to be to see who wins the game. You know what I mean? Because that I think the winner of this game makes the playoffs. I agree. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely going to be a trajectory game in terms of who's going to keep on going up and who's going to kind of go back down to earth. And similarly, but sorry, oh, I just quickly, I find it tough to miss the playoffs at six and three, but I, I think the jets are going to find a way to blow this, this record of theirs that they have. I just, I haven't been sold on the jets. I know they have a good defense, but and it's hard Wilson, after adding that game to, to the end of the schedule, like a six and three team could have carried a bit more weight in the past. Now it's, you're still, you're past your bye week already. And you're now going to have to kind of fight for the rest of the season. I just think there's so much mediocrity in the AFC and eventually these teams are going to find their their true self and kind of shy away from the playoff picture a little bit. But I agree. Credit to them for right now. You are what your record says you are and they're 6 and 3 and in the playoffs. Yeah, you got to give it to them. Similarly, another kind of story like that with the Lions at Giants at 1 p.m. The Giants are another team that kind of want to prove that they're legit and get rid of the, all the rumors and the monkeys on their back here. Um, they are one game out of first in the AFC East right now, which sounds crazy with an eight and one Eagles team. Um, and I think that they need to win this game pretty much because after that, they go five uh, out of their next seven games against divisional opponents to close out the season season in a hard um, NFC East, um, including in that, five out of seven, a road game at the Vikings. So nothing's going to be given easy here to the Giants down the stretch. Not at all. Nothing has been easy except for the schedule they've had up to this point, though. Um, I think the NFC East has been favorable in their opponents. Um, but once again, you are what your record says you are. And this is an even harder record for them to blow not to make the playoffs. I don't see a, a situation where the Giants do not make the playoffs. I think this is a borderline must win, though. I think if you get to that seven and two mark, it's or sorry, eight and two mark, you're you're set. As I didn't once again, the state of New York, I owe you an apology. I'm not familiar with your game. 
it's this game though this game is either going to be the best game of the week or the absolute worst game of the week and i don't see there being any in between i think uh, jared Goff and the lions offense bring a lot to the table and the giants defense also brings a ton to the table so that'll be an interesting matchup the giants offense yeah, this is one of those games you got to prove that you can beat bad teams handily. Yes, uh, especially for a, a Giants offense. They uh, they asked Dable about that, saying that you know this is a team that's likely going to force you out of your offensive comfort comfort zone um, and make them score points. They're, they've been one of the highest uh, clips pretty much so far in the NFL for scoring points, surprisingly given their record. Um, but here's a sad Giants stat that hopefully Uh-oh. they break out of this game. The Giants have neither scored nor allowed, nor allowed isn't bad in this, but 30 points in a game this season. In fact, the Giants are riding a streak of 37 consecutive games during which they have not reached the 30-point mark on offense. So if if now, if not ever, to prove that you can put up some points. And it feels like the Lions get close to putting up 30 points almost every week with that offense. I think they have to because their defense is so bad, but the Lions offense is quietly great. They're a great I like over 45 in this game. Yeah, I I was just about to say. Um, And also with the Lions only being plus three, it seems like a kind of trap spot to bet the Lions where... Seven and seven and two versus a two and seven. How is it only three points? I agree, but I, I think agree. that's a like testimony it. to how Vegas uh, values the Giants. Uh, I think that's how most of the public views the Giants. But if the Giants win this game, I'm, I'm, I'm sold. I, I know this might not be the game for most people, but this is the game for me. If you can continually beat inferior opponents, you are a good football team, and that's that's the end of the story. Yeah, and it's something you have to do for this team. Shut up the haters a bit. Uh, interesting storyline. This is the first time we're going to see Aiden Hutchinson versus Thibodeau. Um, you know, leading up to the draft last year, everybody was wondering who's the better rusher, who do you want to take. Right now, they're pretty much neck and neck. Um, their PFF grades, Hutchinson's got 66.8. Thibodeau's got 65.3. Um, Hutchinson's got more sacks and QB hits. Thibodeau's got more or and, and total pressures, but... You know, Thibodeau's got more passes defended, forced fumbles, a bunch of stuff. But that's an interesting storyline to watch for those two great players so far this year that have gone pretty quiet. Yeah, you don't hear a lot about the Lions, really. Surprisingly for us living in southern Ontario, uh, Lions not being too far away from us. It, you don't hear a lot. Kayvon Thibodeau, he's, he had that. I remember he had that one game where he was crying after. He was so moved. He's, he's fired up. Seems like the team's buying into what Dable is selling. Which is another storyline for me, Dayball versus Campbell. I think a lot of people thought when Dan Campbell was hired for the Lions, he would have the same kind of effect that Dayball is having with the Giants now, but he hasn't found that. So right. it's kind of like, is Dan Campbell in the hot seat at all? Or is Dayball just having a lot of success right out of the gate? Is it a fluke? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Dayball seems to have, seems like he's got it going on right now. I think he's definitely in the conversation for coach of the year. I was going to say this is a coach of the year game for me. I think that with all the questions around their offense, if you come out and have a good game plan um, and beat like a Lions team that puts up a lot of points, I think that that does a lot for him um, in the coach of the year conversation, which is a tight one right now. You got McDaniel and in Miami, you have him, you Sirianni. have uh, Sirianni. You could even make a case for Vrabel. Um, there's yep. a lot in the air right now. Yeah, it'll be fun. Sala, maybe if the Jets keep winning, I like. It's a toss-up. I think that's the most wide-open race there is for awards right now, which maybe we'll get to other ones later on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Coach on the hot seat will bring us to our next game, Cowboys at Vikings, 425 in Minnesota. Um, Dallas is a a one-and-a-half-point favorite. The Vikings are plus 106. It's a a 47.5-point total. Um, it's This was uh, another one of my rat line alerts a bit. Um, This one kind of raised the eyebrows a bit. Well, yeah, my my first note for this game is why why are the Cowboys favored in Minnesota? What yeah. I mean, what coming into done? this matchup on very different wavelengths. I mean, the Vikings just earned a statement win against the Bills last Sunday, and the Cowboys blew a fourteen point lead against the Packers. So that's that's basically what the conclusion I came to is. It's a letdown spot for the Vikings. It's a prove it game for the Cowboys, and I think these are two of the top three teams in the NFC. I don't know how you feel about that, but that's kind of where I'm at for these teams. Yeah. 
a lot of people doubt the Vikings. A lot of people have. I've kind of, I haven't been doubting them. I just say, just prove it to me, and they keep proving it to me. So I'm, I'm fully in on the Vikings. I got Justin Jefferson in fantasy. What a, what a life that is. And mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins, though, not in a one o'clock spot. Not in a one o'clock spot, and we're in daylight savings. So does that inch us closer to nighttime dark? bad Kirk Cousins who knows there's a couple big stories in this game can the Cowboys stop Dalvin Cook he just sliced and diced the Bills for 119 and a TD they're 29th in team opponent rushing yards per game the Cowboys haven't been able to stop a paper plane this year so I think that if the if Minnesota is going to win here it's going to be through the run game yeah, I think so too. The better, the more you keep the ball out of Kirk Cousins' hands, I think the better chance they have to win. Um, and I think when the ball is in his hands, you better be throwing it to eighteen because uh, that's. I guess you have Hawkinson now, which is a good secondary safety blanket for him to throw Elon. to. But yeah. Kirk Cousins seems like the guy when he has the ball, he's going to force it to Jefferson almost every time. And I think being in that four o'clock slate, there's going to be more eyes on him. I think. We'll see. He's 0-1 yeah. when he's played out of the prime out of uh, one o'clock slate in prime time. I know this isn't technically prime time, but there's certainly going to be more eyes on him. He seems one of those guys that can get in his head about that stuff. So mm-hmm. that's an yeah. Interesting a lot one of people are saying on. Minnesota's due for a tough loss. They've had a string of big wins, favorable matchups. Um, you got to wonder if the odds makers know that this is a letdown spot coming or waiting to happen. Um, I mean, Dallas is still kind of in the in the game in the sense that you know Ezekiel Elliott's been back and forth from injury it's still unsure whether he's going to play this year but Tony Pollard still managed over 100 yards in both the Bears and the Packers games like it's it's no longer become an excuse for them they have to start taking advantage of their opportunity on offense I think that Pollard is better than Zeke as well this season and I think Zeke is actually performed better than most people expected compared to his last two years, which were horrid. But this year he's actually been decent. But I think when they run that two-headed monster with Zeke and Pollard, that the the Cowboys are very hard to stop. And then you get the play-action game going with Dak. And Dak is a very fine quarterback. I don't think he's top five, but I think he's fine. You can win with Dak. And Pollard is good. It's it's not an excuse for the Cowboys to say, oh, Zeke's out. Like that That is not an excuse. I think you have a better more dangerous game with Pollard at running back. And what I was going to say, this game has stuck out to me. It it screams. It's an over. Yeah, I agree. This, this I don't see. I mean, I think I got it at 47 and a half right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's easy money. I think this, they'll easily get to 24 points each. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they'll, it'll be a, a 17, 14 game at half, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I know the, the Cowboys do have a good defense when, when they try to. I mean, the running game, obviously, you said is not good, but Mike Parsons can rush the quarterback. Yeah. If they if they go with Dalvin Cook, like like you said before, I think the Vikings can find a way to win this game. Yeah. I'll, I will say about the Cowboys, I, do, I would not want to play them um, in a playoff matchup. That's not who I would want. It's one of those teams, you know. They, they play up. Rather than playing down, they obviously didn't last Sunday. They played down to the down to the Packers completely, but it's not a team later on in the season. I think that, that I game last week was a was a Packers must win at Lambeau against a, a Mike McCarthy led Cowboys team. They wanted to take away from Mike McCarthy's return to Lambeau. I agree, which is why it's even weirder that the Vikings aren't favored in this because they're at home. That's that's what I mean. It's it it doesn't really make a ton of sense, but I think. Because the Cowboys are favored, you almost have to take them. It's one of the yeah. it's one of those spots where you, it doesn't make a ton of sense. It's not it's not shocking. I don't think it's shocking because it's not like it's uh they're minus three and a half or something where it's more than a field goal. But this mm-hmm. this this game seems like it can could come down to last minute field goal. Yeah, I agree. This is a perfect four o'clock matchup yep. too. One of those that just scream we'll be, four o'clock game. We'll be just one game on for four o'clock. No need for red zone. Maybe on the laptop screen. Keep it quiet. But absolutely, all eyes will be on this game four o'clock. And that'll take us into the night's game. Um, the flexed Chiefs at Chargers. Uh, this was originally supposed to be um, Bengals versus Steelers. Um, is this the NFL shoving the Chargers down our throats, or is this just a good matchup uh, regardless? A little bit of both. Yeah. A little bit of both. It feels like the Chargers are the new Broncos. 
from yes. the start of the season. The Broncos just seemed like they were on every single primetime game every week. Now that does seem like it's the Chargers. The Chargers are definitely a better primetime team than the Broncos because they, they try to have an explosive offense and their defense can be fun. It's not like one of those boring defenses that sucks the life out of you. They're more of a let's make a splash play, fumble, big hit, kind of stuff like that. But this game, do I love it? No. Would I have no. loved to see my Steelers play primetime? Yes. Uh, do I understand why they flexed it? Yes. But it makes sense. I think this begs the question, though. Um, is Justin Herbert good? I know. And and part of me wants to hammer on him, double down as a Tua fan, say we were right, you were wrong. But something is just so fishy about the handling of this rib injury so far this year. Um, you don't even want to bring up the Tyrod Taylor story. But, um, yeah, I was, but like, that's what I was going to say. You just think about there's been so many games where he leads them on drives where the the Justin Herbert, you know, um, 35 yard passes over the middle completions, first downs, winning a drive um, just hasn't been there for weeks now. Um, and now given uh, their injuries, and this was what I was going to get to next, the injury matchup in this one is ridiculous. I'm looking at the chart for each team. Um, there's eight players um, on in nine for the Chargers, eight for the Chiefs. For the Chiefs, we have McCole Hardman uh, with his abdomen slash illness. Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, um, also Jarek McKinnon and LeJarius Sneed are questionable, and Isaiah Pacheco, so that's three of your running options. Um, and for the Chargers, um, Mike Williams didn't practice. He's questionable. Keenan Allen, DeAndre Carter are out, uh, Cleo Mack. Uh, it, it's a absolute smattering of injuries. Yeah, and usually when you look at these two teams play, you, you automatically think over. But I think with those injuries that you just said, especially that's almost their entire offenses outside of the quarterbacks and Eckler, obviously. But it's going to be tough for Herbert to – that's what I, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt with Allen being out much of the season and Mike Williams being recently hurt and him not being able to really get into a flow with his wide receivers like he did last year. That definitely has some effect on him, but there's only so many excuses you can have when you have a guy like Austin Eckler who who is receiving threat, running threat, and you do have these guys like Joshua Palmer um, coming up that are they're not bad football players, and it's something that if they can't move the ball on offense, I think it's a reason to be concerned for the Chargers, and I think Brandon Staley, that seat's getting a little warm. Has to be. Little Has warm. To be. All right. But um, another story I had to look at was um, eyes on the Derwin James, Travis Kelsey matchup. Um, this is one of those guys who's labeled, you know, like a Kelsey stopper. Um, and this will be the seventh time that they've faced each other since James got in the NFL in 2018. And for a player who significantly, you know, does damage to the Chargers historically with Kelsey, he hasn't done much when he's matched up against James. Um, he's got five receptions in six targets for 32 yards and no touchdowns um, when the two have been matched in coverage. So this is another one to to watch. Yeah, and I remember, I believe it was in the first time they played this year, Derwin had that play where he he slammed Kelsey on the ground quite forcefully. I was I was... He displayed incredible feats of strength there that I really can't grasp. And I think they're going to be, I think this is a Travis Kelsey game. I really do. With all those injuries that you listed earlier, I think this is one where Andy Reid schemes up some stuff. Maybe they get him in some short yardage, just get him the ball, let him run. He's going to get a lot thing. of looks. Yeah. yeah. He's going to be good. So I think this is one of those for those Travis Kelsey fantasy owners. Don't, don't overthink it. Start him. I think he's going to get his touches. They'll find them in the red zone. They'll find a way. The Chiefs usually do. But yes, I do think the Chargers will absolutely be game planning around Travis Kelsey, trying to keep Mahomes in the pocket and not let him scramble because when Mahomes scrambles, that is a very dangerous thing. It's like, brutal. You don't it, want to get into, yes. a, into a pissing match with Mahomes. He'll beat you with yes, it every time. Yes, he just time. does incredible things after incredible things. And another thing, when I see these two teams play, I just love the uniform matchup. Oh, just it's a great one. Maybe maybe the best it, it could be especially for divisional opponents who are yeah. always playing each other it, it's it's one of those often ones that you see and it, it fits like a puzzle piece this is i think this one's going to be a nice kind of indoor palate cleanser after you know like a, a bills game that's supposedly to be 
be in a snow storm and a blizzard. Yeah, it's going to look this incredibly warm. Ones. Yeah. yeah, it's going to look nice and warm. Hopefully get some points, you know, an entertaining Sunday night after what looks to be a bit of a, a grueling Sunday slate. Absolutely. Um, yep. But moving on from the NFL, uh, we would be remiss to not mention or at least give preview to the Grey Cup coming up this Sunday. Uh, me and Patrick were at the Eastern Conference Finals last Sunday against the Alouettes where the Argos won. Great Electric game. game. Electric Great game. game. Um, it's at Mosaic Stadium in Regina. Luckily, um, not like the Bills game. Uh, forecast for Sunday is looking pretty ideal. It's going to be around negative two at kickoff after a day of pretty much all sun, sunshine and no snow. Um, so aside from that, you know, if, if we can get a game that doesn't have a ton of, uh, you know, weather here, we're looking at the two clearly best teams in the CFL going at it. Yeah. And I think it's, it's perfect with kind of how the season played out. These two teams are kind of destined to meet each other at the end of the year. And I'm happy they did. Um, a big thing. Well, you said the weather. I was. I've been keeping an eye on that too. It, it does look like it's not going to be snowy. It's a little cold. Some good old Canadian football weather. I mean, never hurt big anybody. Time. Little fog coming out of your face mask. Gotta love it. A lot of hand warmers. Big I think time. the big storyline in this game is the Zach Caleros injury with that ankle. Um, I know, and they're out, downplaying it already. They're downplaying a lot. He he didn't participate in the first first day of practice. Don't have the update on Thursday. We I don't know where he's at currently, but they're saying he's going to play. Yeah, him and Coach Michael Share saying it's unquestionable that he's going to play. He's obviously going to play, but you have to wonder what that does against uh you know for his game. He came out for another drive after injuring it in that Lions game. Um, but with the cold weather, with the Argos defense being what it is, um, with some monsters like Sean Oakman on it, like you, you get one good sack in early in that game. You don't know where that's going to change. Make him feel it. The cold weather too. those bone, like it's going to hurt a lot more. I don't think he's going to be scrambling much. So I think th that'll help the Argos game plan on defense a lot, a lot. Cause how he injured it was when he went for a scramble. So if that takes it away, Caleros turns into a bit of a one-dimensional quarterback, and I think the Argos have a good enough defense where they can game plan around it, get some pressure on them, maybe force a bad throw, get an interception. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think with, this... Go ahead. No, I think you're right. I think with as good as each team's defense is in this one, it's going to come down to those offensive uh, intangibles almost. How McLeod Bethel-Thompson plays, you know, a lot of people are saying this is kind of his validation tour. He's been playing pretty well the last few games. Uh, he needs to put another kind of bow on top of that and finish it off. Um, you know, you got Andrew Harris coming back after injury still. Um, Brandon Banks in his first, looking for his first uh, great cup win. I think it's going to be coming down to offenses here. Yeah, and I think with the weather, uh, it, it suits the Argos a lot. As we saw, they had that screen game going with Ouellette and Harris. I think that's a perfect recipe for this kind of weather to kind of break the will of that Bombers front and let the big man get out front, set the blocks for, for Harris and Ulet. And those are two punishing runners. They are going to put their head down and try and go through you as much as they can. They're not going to go side to side. They're going North South, which I think if we, sorry, not we gotta be unbiased. The Argos, if they enforce their will upon the Bombers, I think there's a way for them to win this game. I know Absolutely. they're five and a half point dogs, but I will be no, on the there. Argos money line. Big time, big time. It's there. Um, you know, Bombers obviously looking to make history with a three-peat. When asked about it, you know, so was Andrew Harris. When asked about it, he said he doesn't care, kind of moved through it. Didn't even think about it twice. Um, Argos defensive lineman Jagarrett Davis is playing in his sixth straight Grey Cup um, where he won in 2018 with Calgary, which is a pretty insane stat. He's close with Brandon Banks. Um, you know, together, they're kind of looking for one here in, in Toronto. It'd be big for, I think, a Toronto market after, you know, not winning one since 2017, having a big season, a packed Eastern final. There was a lot of people in there. Yeah. Um, I think this would be big. And yeah, the two and teams I, I, haven't met since the 1950 Mud Bowl. How about that? Oh, the Mud Bowl. Hopefully we get a, hopefully we get a Mud Bowl again on Sunday. I would love that. I think... Uh, with Harris and Banks, and like you actually have names with this Argos team. Swag Kelly is another name that a lot of people notice. There should be eyes. Like people should be tuning in to watch this game. I definitely for the people that trash the CFL. If you're listening to this, you, you're not a football fan. It it yeah. is good quality football. These guys are professionals. These guys played D1. These guys played OUA. Like they're good. 
They're good at what they do. Respect their craft. Let them ball. Side yeah, this note. should be a good one. This is why I love when it's in in Prairie Provinces, especially because you get those huge stadiums just packed to the gills with people. They're all hammered. They all can't feel their toes, and they're just there for some good football. Quick side note. Have you seen uh, any of the TSN coverage for this? For the Great Cup yet? Yeah. Have you, did you see no. when they're in the uh, they're in like a paintball hangar? Oh no! It's it's keep an eye out for it. It's I I was laughing. I was I I was on my screen and I'm trying. It's it's I think it's a paintball hanger. It's it's some sort of like indoor, um, might be like a like a like a palladium kind of thing. It's it's a sight to behold. I don't really know. It it is it is CFL to a T. Um, I'm sure. I'm excited to hear some you know pop country out of Tyler Hubbard at halftime. I mean, what's what's not to love? What's not to love? What's not to love about a Great Cup halftime show? Always the perfect B to C list artists. Hey, um, hey, they had Bieber. They had Bieber. Hundredth Great Cup. Shout out, shout out Justin Bieber concert at the Hundredth Great Cup in 2012. Great core memory. Um, and I think that does it for the Great Cup. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for it. Go Argos. Go Argos. All right, and now we're back with a segment we like to call trending up and down. This is where we're going to get into the NHL side of things for the show for all you hockey fans who have been waiting for it. Um, and this one's a pretty easy one for trending up right now. We got the New Jersey Devils on a 10-game winning streak coming into their game against the Toronto Maple Leafs Thursday night. Um, they're in Ottawa on Saturday night. Uh, they've won 13 of their past 14. Um, and as Jack Hughes put it, they're on a bit of a heater. That they are, Damien. That they are. I thought the Sens had the best chance to knock them off when they lost in overtime to them a couple couple games ago, but they did not. New Jersey was a better team all night. Um, yeah, shocking. Um, I did not see this. I thought New Jersey would make the playoffs before the season. I had high hopes for them. Them having second best record in the NHL, I believe, right now. First in that division right First, now. Yep, leading the Metro. They are certainly a wagon and certainly a team that I do not think are pretenders. I think they are for real. Um, the Blackwood injury I thought would have been of concern, and it has shown not to be with Vitek Vanacek in that. They are riding him. He has performed well above expectations. And Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, Dougie Hamilton, the boys are taking care of business over there in New Jersey, and I don't think they're getting enough shine. I mean, I don't you think and, they you are and I see a lot of it, but we're pretty into the hockey world. But in in the Toronto markets, they are not getting much shine at all from the from the media. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a team where you know you don't want to jump your guns too fast. But this reminds me of what you know a team could have done with the drafting stock that those Oilers teams had you know this this Devils team has been in a lottery position for a while now um in terms of getting quality solid picks your Jack Hughes your Nico Heischers even a Will Butcher in the mix like they they've managed to draft extremely well and it's now you know turning into solid results on paper in terms of their offense at the very least yeah and they even have some good uh some good depth signings that they got to Tars I don't know how if he's he's one of those that might be a little blip in the radar where I don't know if that's going to sustain, but he's got 11 points in 16 games. He sure looks like he's going to turn into a first line hockey player who's going to be good for years to come. Um, Miles Woods, all right. Dawson Mercer seems to be coming coming into his own as a young hockey player, and I think it's just the Devils are legit. I think it's some a team to keep an eye on that because they are going to be there in. In April, and they had an experienced coach with Lindy Ruff too. Oh, Lindy, do you, how funny is that with the the Devils fans chanting "Sorry, Lindy" at the at the Prudential Center? That's uh, that's a good one. Must must have made him feel good because I'm sure they asked, I saw they asked him about, it and he goes, "Oh, I didn't hear it. You you heard Classic it, Lindy. Lindy. You're yeah, you're he, not fooling anybody. You heard it." Um, but I also have trending up the Seattle Kraken. Despite losing their last two games, they still have 19 points. They're third in their division. This is a team that a lot of people just immediately write off kind of at the beginning of the season um, with where they are as a franchise. But they're playing some pretty scrappy hockey. They're not an easy team to beat um, as of right now. Scrappy is a perfect way to describe this team with a plus seven goal differential. And it seems like they've only let in 45 goals all year, which is extremely low. So 
clearly they've got it figured out with the systems and what's going on. And like, they don't, they don't even have a, a, a forward that's over a point per game or even at point per game. So it shows it's, it's all defensive systems. Again, great goaltending out of Martin Jones, who is he having Revival. a resurgence? Is this, yeah. is this Martin Jones of the past? Um, it's nice to see from Seattle. I had no expectations for them. I don't know if this is sustainable. Do I yeah, think I they're a bad team? No, tell. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I'm just going to throw that out there now. Well, you know, we'll, we'll see how well, that ages, but I got, take. you got to yeah. put that out there. But I think guys like Oliver Borkstrand, it looks like Matty Beniers is going to be there in the Calder race near the end of the year, but how they've handled that Shane Wright situation is. I was about to say doing it without Wright essentially now. That, that's um, like their only downfall is how they're handling the Shane Wright situation, which is. And it's one of those situations that's. It's it's hard to gauge too because you see flashes of where you, you know it's the player that they drafted working well in their system and then you see him getting smoked in the corners losing puck like it's a really back and forth situation. A lot of fans want to just see him get consistent play time, send him down. A lot of them think he should be staying up with the team. It's They're, one of the messier messier like top picks I've seen in the in the past little bit. Yeah, I mean this has potential for Shane Wright for the downfall of Shane Wright to be quite something for what for what he was held at in the Canadian media from an exceptional status player at 15 years old to where we are now at 15 years old he was he was already number one o- overall there is no doubt about it no one's going to get ahead of him then falls to fourth but he falls to a team where you're like okay he'll be in their opening opening night roster it's Seattle there it's their second year team they're they're probably still a bottom five team people thought before the year and he has struggled to make this lineup. I don't know if the coach has something against him. I don't know if there's attitude problems. He seems like he's a good kid. He he does. I think people try and force those narratives on. He's got attitude problems. I think that's something that people shouldn't really take too seriously. I think it's but impossible to tell something to keep an eye on. He only averages eight minutes a game when he plays, which which is like worse than fourth line minutes in a lot of teams on the league. That's not enough to actually show your ability in the NHL. So I think if you're just gonna dick him around like that, you you might as well send him back to the O. I, I really yeah, do. I agree. It's I mean, you for sure we're don't. gonna see him for the World Juniors, which is good. That World Juniors squad is already starting to look like a wagon. Yes, that is. Yes, that I'm um, I'm, I'm excited for that. Yeah, as am I, especially after the weird World Juniors last year. Um, but to the trending down side of things, um, we got a lot of teams kind of falling back down to earth. We're, we're creeping up on that quarter mark of the season um, at that, you know, kind of 20 game mark. Um, and, you know, the Flyers and Sabres, to me, specifically come to mind as the team teams that are coming down to earth. Flyers are on a four game losing streak. Sabres are on a seven-game losing streak. It's not looking good for these guys. No, and it's funny enough because Ottawa has played these two teams in their past five games, and both of them seem to be not impressive. I don't. I think Buffalo, they got off to a hot start. Not a lot of people kind of knew what they were going to be like going into the season. A lot of people had them going up, maybe threatening for a playoff spot. I think they're... They're just they're a bit of a pushover team. They're they're a team where you can enforce your will on them, and they're probably not going to do much about it because they're a very young, skilled team. I think it's an exciting team to watch. They're fun. Their goaltending situation is not ideal. It's not good enough to make the playoffs, which is what people thought before the season. Yeah, you know, you get a few good games of goaltending and and a couple string together some wins. The the NHL, if not any other league, I swear places such an emphasis on that those opening two and a half weeks on on who's in and who's out even more than the nba yep it turns into the nfl a bit that way in terms of like after after you know that two and a half week three week mark everybody's looking to write you know write off teams write in teams but yeah i think the flyers are a team that's been been staying head above water pretty much solely because of john tortorella if you don't have him on that team, I don't think you're getting nearly the same out of that roster. Yeah, Torts is getting the absolute most out of this roster right now. So I, I can't hate on the Flyers at all. I can't disrespect what they're doing because I I had them as the last place team in the NHL with those injuries going into the season. So credit to Torts, I think. But what are we setting the over-under at how long uh, Torts lasts in Philly? Two and a half years? 
Yeah, I would say I would say liberally by the end of next season. Yeah, I think that's when things because yeah. the Flyers they're hopefully going to start trending up a bit towards the end of the year, end of this year, maybe the, or sorry, the end of next year. Do where some turnaround. They're hopefully going to start threatening to be a real hockey team, and then that's when all the turmoil usually starts with Tortorella and the media and the players. Yeah, but it's I only think, a matter of time. I think the Flyers are are okay. I. A successful year for Philly is not coming last, even though you kind of do want to come last with Bedard and, and Fantley. Like it, it looks like it's going to be a very top-heavy draft this year. Mm-hmm. But I think another team that you can throw into this category of coming back to earth a little bit, something to keep an eye on, the Detroit Red Wings. Mm-hmm. They have the also, media darling. Yes. They're, they're in a similar spot with Buffalo. I think they're a bit ahead of Buffalo in their rebuild. Um, they got off to a, a very hot start, but they have also lost their last four games. And it's another one of those teams where do they have the goaltending? Do they have all the pieces on the back end? I mean, you, you do have some skilled players. Absolutely. I think it's a good team. I don't think they'll make the playoffs. I, that's probably not a shocking statement at all to make. But people, like, like you said, a lot of people overvalue the, t- the first two, three weeks in the NHL. It's people get very excited that hockey's back on and they always want their takes out there. I can't see Dominic Kubalik sustaining a point a game pace. Mm-mm. I don't know about that. Like Larkin, Philip Peronic, a defenseman, is their third leading point getter right now. And yeah, I yeah, just it's, don't think... it's not sustainable. No. And and they've let in 15 goals in their past three games um, to the seven that they've scored, which is their biggest issue right I now. Also they can't think stop it's, anything. It's telling that they have a minus seven goal differential. Right I now, agree. That's, that's another thing where it's just nice start, great start. You're not going to come in last, but I think you're going to come back to life a bit and you're going to be fighting for five to seven, five to seven spot in the Atlantic. Yeah, I agree. And and even looking up that, that goal differential stat, you see Boston with plus 30, plus 30. Ridiculous. I, I, Boston, Boston has been good our entire lives and it's, it's getting old. I hate it but I respect the hell out of it. And I, hand up, I was wrong about the Bruins this year. I thought they might miss the playoffs. That is not going to happen. Um, no. Ottawa has one of their two losses, though. Ottawa, be, uh, check it off. Check it off for the Sens. Something to keep an eye on as the... Can you know, Boston head-to-head. win in Ontario? That The people are asking. The people are asking. These questions need to be answered. Yeah, Boston's obviously one of those teams that you don't even have to mention as trending upwards because they're no, still kind of maintaining. doing it the whole season. It's not a, like a resurgence. It's just like they got out of the yeah. gate and they haven't looked back, which is exactly good for them. Good, good, honestly, good for Montgomery. Good little comeback story for him after what I happened agree. in Dallas. It shows he's he's a good coach. He solved his problems, and here he goes. And he's, it was they clearly hated. Off. They clearly hated um, Cassidy. Cassidy, yeah, because you know Jake Drake Jake DeBrus walks back his trade request. Like Ca- Patrick or, or um, Krejci comes back. Cassidy is very Tortorella esque in the mm-hmm. in the sense where it's he's a very hard nosed coach, focused defense, trying to get the most out of his players. But he's got a lifespan of the players will get sick of him. And you know what? Credit to him. He's gone to Vegas. And I was about to say, I actually really like him in Vegas because that's a team that if they do get really nasty and and hard to play against, they're already tough and score a ton of goals. But if they get even harder to play against, that's a team to look out for. Yeah, first in the West right now. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah, big time good for them. Um, all right, anything else you want to add? I think we're good here. Um, I got a quick sneaky one. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets, second in the Central. Um. Halibuck seem to be kind of back to those Vesna ways a bit. And I think a lot of people were criticizing the the stripping of Blake Wheeler with the C, but so far that seems to have made a good, like it was a good decision. And uh, Winnipeg's playing well. They're 9-4-1. and one. I, I didn't see this coming out of Winnipeg. I thought they were just going to be what they always are, mediocre team fighting for that eighth spot. And if they get it, they get it. If they don't, they don't. No one really yeah, loses sleep over them, but they've they've got out of the gates solid. I think they're right now. Them and Minnesota are having pretty much opposite seasons in the sense that people thought 
Minnesota was going to be that wagon in that division for at least that second position. And now it's, it's totally turning out to be the jets, at least for right now, Minnesota's struggling and they're kind of having freaky Friday seasons. I would say. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. That's that's all I got really for the NHL right now. But it, it's a long season. It, there's gonna this segment yeah. will be changing every week, certainly with what's going on and more storylines. We'll yeah, see. it'll, we'll see it'll what come happens. back. Around. Yeah, we'll see what yeah. happens. It, well, we we will indeed. Um, that'll take us here to our last segment here. Um, this is something we're gonna be calling. Uh, you know. Bias corner, bias weekly, some something along those lines. In the little, sense maybe a little gonna... like what's what's on your mind, what's what's yeah. bugging you about your squad. Yeah, we got a a bit of a smattering here of squads. Um, in the sense that I'm going to be talking, you know, Leafs complaining, Dolphins. Patrick's got his Steelers, his Sens, his Buckeyes. You know, it's going to be a bit all over the map. Yeah, it's uh, this is a an opportunity for us to vent. Uh. Yeah, just kind of get stuff off our chest. Could be good, could be bad, but we got to put it out somewhere. We got to put it out somewhere. Got to put it out somewhere. I'll start with the Leafs right now. They got, obviously, the game against the Devils here on Thursday night, which is a huge one. You want to be that team that busts the streak, that quick, makes everybody sorry, look. Quick, they're favored tonight. They're, they're, they are favored. I, I mean, do what you want yeah. with that information. I, it caught my eye. It caught my eye. No, that's interesting. That's interesting. And the Leafs are still kind of in... In that that area of still having to prove something, even though they had those two huge wins, um, you know, they need, I would say, at least three points from this Buffalo, New Jersey back to back here. Ideally, you want to show, especially on Saturday, that you can beat up on a bad Sabres team, one that usually has the Leafs number. Um, I, I just hate playing the Sabres. I hate it. Ottawa's the same way where they always it seems like they always have our number and that was a that was yeah it it's yeah last are, night. They're, they're frisky fun you know they're, they're a frisky fun team they can cause you problems they, they can play up too that's the problem they play up for those games especially against the Leafs there's some bad blood I would say Darlene and Matthews you know even for years especially when they used to have what, what was that big oaf man that big oaf oh, they John had Scott defense no on defense the uh i want to say that uh gergensen's but i know that's not his name um ristolainen oh, ristolainen yeah used to get in all the beefs that idiot he's not there anymore but still I mean, the, the the preseason line brawl with phil castle yeah. is that's that's the core memory of leaf of course. of course i have that and ryan miller uh, essentially letting in two goals over nine years against us um yeah there's something about sabers games that i absolutely hate i'm gonna be in the building i'm going to that game on saturday boots on um, the ground money line system play but it's uh it's definitely one that i'm i'm a bit weary about what you said about the leafs is true the sabers they're always a frisky team the Sens found a way to take them down last night which i had that game as a must win the Sens have lost so many close games this year they they're lost in the atlantic with a plus goal differential yeah, it's ridiculous. Just, it shows that they're they're a better team than their record, but how long can you say that for without them being their record? And I I think the Josh Norris injury is certainly something that has has handicapped this team because they have just been jumbling these lines and they can't seem to find a second line center. It's either Pinto one night, Rissard the next. I mean. I, it, it depends on the night, but I think the lines last night, as much as I hated them in pregame, ended up being all right, where they kind of diversified, throwing to Brinkett on the third with Joseph and Broussard, who just found ways to get in the puck. He scored. To Brinkett needs to start scoring, needs to see that 40-goal score. Hasn't Definitely. shown it. Um, it's okay. I'm very into the the fire DJ crowd i'm i'll yeah, admit it and the the noise is growing it, it has to be but dorian will not dorian keeps um putting his his word behind him and i i don't understand why i don't know what he owes him i don't know what dj has on him uh but it's it's every year this is the same team that dj smith has coached every year with better players so it's getting to the point where it's kind of inexcusable where it's why are you not adjusting with the players? Game plan around the players, not force your game plan on the players. And that's clearly yes. what it is. They're getting to the line. They're dumping it in, dumping it in, four check. He also has a very weird attraction to Austin Watson. Yes. Who could be scratched. Like I, I don't see it. Gambrell 
adds a weird sense of skill to that fourth line that Austin Watson does not score. Shout out to Austin Watson though, fiftieth career goal, scored it, ripped it actually. <laughs> Look at that! Like I, it, I almost fell off my seat. I, I couldn't believe it. But Ironically, yeah, I, could uh, help from using a little less Shabbat minutes. Absolutely, which sounds, Sanderson. Which sounds I'm so yeah. high on Sanderson. Sanderson looks so good. He needs to be the quarterback of power play one. It's, I don't know. We need Zub back. Zub, Zub is actually our best like defenseman, best right. defender. Uh, but yeah, the D zone coverage needs to be better. It's little things. It's very little things, but you fix them, you're above 500. It's simple as yeah. that. You're leaving points out there early in the season, and you can't do that. You have to win these games, and their season's not over. But they have to go. They have to go on a stretch where they're winning nine of ten. You, like at least you yeah. have to find one of those, and it's in them. I'm happy with the goaltending tandem. Very happy. Talbot and Forsberg look look good, and it's something that you can use. So yeah, I'm 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 not down on the Sens. Yeah, but something's got to give. I'm, I'm weary on the Sens. I'm weary. Yeah. I'm still in though, watching all the games. I'm up in it. And speaking of weary. Oh boy, hey, I don't know how to feel about the Ohio State Buckeyes. A white knuckle weekend ahead. Um, yeah, I think they're in a huge look ahead spot against Maryland this weekend. I Big think time. that's something that, like, just win. I don't care how you do it, just win the game. You could win it by 50, you could win it by five. It doesn't matter. Win the game. And then it's on to Michigan. I'm very happy it's in Ohio State. Um, the injury happy. concerns at running back are are very concerning. It looks like Mayan Williams is going to be out for the year. Uh, Travion Henderson, I mean, rest up. But Dallin Hayden, it's going to come down to him a lot. We're going to be relying on him. And I'll know within the first three series, basically, if Ohio State's going to win the game or not. Because mm-hmm. Ohio State, they, it's either they get off to a, a fiery hot start or it's slow start and they'll just refuse to run the Six ball. And half, it's just... Yeah. Yeah, and it could be ugly. And as much as I hate to admit it, Michigan looks good. Michigan mm-hmm. looks. I'm good. really interested in this because it seems like a year where divisional championships are going to carry a lot of weight. There is a path where Ohio State and Michigan both get into the playoff. Yeah, people don't want to admit it, but it is. If TCU loses, they're out. Yeah. If LSU loses to Georgia, they're out. Georgia's in for sure. Tennessee's yep. in. And then if USC loses one game, it's going to be Ohio State, Michigan, Tennessee, Georgia in the playoff. Yeah, especially if Ohio State wins the Big Ten and Michigan w- runs the table except for that, then they're going to have no chance to, especially if LSU loses like in or, or that, that Georgia SEC in the SEC yeah. finals. So mm-hmm. the spread's like 15 and a half. Mm-hmm. I think I saw, which is just absurd for a final. But we'll and all hell will break loose if LSU wins that game. That's going to be the really interesting. The Tennessee thing is- fans will have a will have a point. But there's also yeah. a path for three SEC teams in the playoff. So absolutely, this is a very good year of just chaos and just playoff discussions and arguments. Because as of right now, no one knows what's going to happen. So everyone's right in a sense. Quick question yeah. for you: What would you have that Ohio State Michigan spread at? Oh man, that's tough because I don't, I don't think there's it's out. I haven't seen anything for yeah, it. Yeah, because there's been times this year where Michigan looks like a buzzsaw. There's been times this year where Ohio State looks like they're in the mud. That Northwestern game was ugly. Um, I think I think I would put Michigan at six and a half point favorites, somewhere around there, somewhere somewhere in that in that area. Because you're right, if they do, if Ohio State gets off to one of those starts that they do, I don't think I think it'll be Michigan chasing the whole game which is interesting for a favorite. Yeah, and it, as long as we for like Ohio State has to f- score points because Michigan just wants to kill the clock and run the ball and we have yeah. no one's seen them really open up their offense and just sling it and if you force Michigan to sling it, I think that's where JJ McCarthy will get into some trouble and it will mm-hmm. bode well for the Buckeyes. But yeah, it's uh yeah, love that beer at home. Excitement is there. Yeah. yeah. All right, all right. Um, and I think that it'll round things out. Um, before we go here, I wanna I wanna mention the bad beat I had last night because I'd be remiss if I didn't. Um, going down to the Raps game, sitting on the go train, making a parlay. I say I'll take Fred Van Fleet over nineteen and a half points. I'll take OJ 
and Anobi over one and a half assists. And I'll take Scotty Barnes over six and a half rebounds. I'm watching the game. It's getting to eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, Freddie's got his points. OG's got his assists. Scotty Barnes sitting at six rebounds, which is where he would finish. Missed by a half a rebound. That one hurts. Yeah, I haven't had a ton of success on system plays when you go in, when you're in attendance for the game, but I've I've also probably not had a beat that bad uh, for a system play, and that go train home just could not have been fun for you. It was it was one of the most visceral feelings in the sense that I had, I had, you know, I was sitting in nice seats and the Raptors are winning a game by all accords. They shouldn't, they have half their offense out against the heat team and they're winning a huge game. And I'm sitting there with my arms over the seats in front of me with my phone in my hand, because I know I'm not getting my 36 95 um, tough. People tough. are just staring at you. Like what the hell is wrong with this guy? He should be fired up right now. Raps are tough. winning, which they, eventually the draft canadians did not help the draft canadians did not help um but i think that does things uh for this opening episode of the goalpost thanks for listening if you stuck with us all the way to the end here um going forward in the future we're going to be looking at regular releases out on fridays uh to get you ready for your weekend um but other than that uh i'll bid you adieu patrick yeah thanks for tuning in guys uh hope you enjoyed uh quick note Canada World Cup. I I don't think it's going to go well, but hey, they made it. So had to mention it. All the best had for everyone. Yeah, hey, we talked about soccer. That's talking soccer for us. So hope you guys and have a good weekend. Is. And sayonara. Sayonara. sayonara.